Good evening. Thank you, Bradley, for leading us in those songs. Uh, one thing that I did uh, fail to mention this morning about the uh, Teen Challenge, uh, Adult and Teen Challenge group that will be over here. Um, we started that a year ago, and this is a year-long program, so many of the uh, men that are in this program have not experienced uh, this uh, fellowship meal that we provide for them on Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving meal. And so we want to encourage you to take the opportunity also to be here and to encourage those men to uh, show compassion, to plant a seed in their life, uh, to show them what living the Christian life uh, is all about. Because I tell you, they need all the examples that they can have. And so this is an opportunity for us uh, to, uh, to meet with these new individuals. And even in the last few weeks, there's been some new ones that's, uh, that have come there. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that evening next uh, next Monday evening. So uh, if you can help with the food or decorations, please see though that those that are in charge uh, of those. But also think about being here and planning to be here uh, to help in that way. Tonight, as Bradley has mentioned, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, the beatitude that Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is very similar to uh, what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 107 and verse 9. For He, God, satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. No one ever achieved anything really worthwhile, have they? Without uh, the motivation of a burning desire. Uh, this desire, our great desire to improve, makes a student more successful in school, doesn't it? A desire to relieve suffering and restore health to people have inspired doctors and researchers to come up with uh, cures and treatments for diseases. The desire for rapid transportation brought about the modern-day jumbo jet that, that is used all across the world. And all of these things were accomplished because of the unsatisfied desire of a heart of someone who wanted better. And Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In simple terms, this beatitude is simply this. Men and women who really want to live good lives which honor the Creator. And that's one of the main things it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Think about food and water. They are necessities, right? They're not luxuries. They are necessities. They are things that we need. And this would have been especially true in Palestine in Jesus' day. You see, both food and water were used carefully. None were wasted. The owning of a well or the cultivating of a field was very important to those people. And when Jesus linked together the idea of hungering and thirsting and righteousness, He was telling that righteousness was not a luxury. It was a necessity. Our physical life, or like our physical life, depends on food and water. So our spiritual life depends on righteousness. Doctors say, we've all heard, that you are what you eat, right? And if that's true in our physical lives, how much greater is that in our spiritual lives? You are what you eat, physically and spiritually. So what it is we feast on regularly. 
Someone has said the inner man of the Spirit has appetites, and that must be satisfied. And if they are not satisfied with the spiritual food of God, that God has provided, then they become sick and weak. You see, as I looked at this particular beatitude, it was a challenge to think about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And think about doing that every single day. But you see, for, for the people in Jesus' day that He's writing to, they would have understood the idea of the seriousness of food and the necessity of food and water. They would have took that as things that are important and necessary. And so they might would have heard Jesus say, it's necessary that you have this great desire for righteousness in order for the inner man to function like God wants it to. He must be fed. I think about a passage of Scripture, and I didn't really write this down or plan this, but my mind keeps going back to this passage of Scripture. In Galatians chapter 5, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And Paul here gives this idea of this, this war going on, this battle. Uh, between the flesh and the spirit. In, in, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 he says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under law. And then he goes through the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. It, it reminds me of of a story I heard of a, uh, an Indian who wanted to be a great chief one day. And, and I don't know if I've shared this story with you, but it's a great story as it relates to this, and it relates to this hunger and thirsting for righteousness. And so this young Indian, he wanted to be, uh, he wanted to be a great chief one day. And so the chief, he's older in life, and he's uh, about at the end of his days, and he goes into the chief, and he says, Chief, someday I want to be a great chief like you. He said, but inside it's like, it's like I have two different dogs fighting. I have a bad dog and when I, when I feed and listen to the bad dog, I, I do bad things. But, and there's a good dog and when I listen and feed the good dog, he, says, he said, then I do good things. He says, how, how do I overcome this so that I can be a wise and good chief like you? And the chief thought for a minute and then he said, feed the good dog. And Paul says here in Galatians chapter 5, listen, there's this battle between the the, the flesh and the Spirit. And Jesus says, if you want to be blessed, then you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You feed righteousness in your life. Uh, People who who starve each year are figured to be well over 11 million people. Money that Americans spend on eating out each year is well over $236 billion. Uh, the U.S. expenditures of overseas food aid is well over $1.6 billion. And people who are continually hungry, it's over 20% in Ethiopia, over 20% in Sudan, and over, tw- over 40% in Mozambique. We know that the world understands hungering and thirsting. The world understands starvation and when you think about that, this beatitude that, that Jesus gives us here is not really a pretty picture, is it? Uh, 
Because it gives a picture of someone who is extremely hungry, that's so thirsty that they're, they're panting with thirst. But the challenge for you and I is that when we long for righteousness, and that we long for righteousness, that we have this great hunger and thirst for righteousness, just as the person would for food or water. And then, when we do that, we can become among the Lord's most blessed people. You see, because our world pushes a self-satisfied hunger and thirst, and, and all that delivers is complacency, doesn't it? And when a person seeks even religion that way, it, it, it develops a complacent religion. The psalmist would say it in this way. We sing the song, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The way I understand it, it's the picture of that deer running and running and running and coming across that brook and that's so thirsty, it's panting for that water. And the psalmist says, that's the way my soul thirsts for you, O God. Also in Psalm 63 and verse 1, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 26 and verse 9, With my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early. I'm not sure when the last time you were hungry or thirsty. Uh, probably, probably most of us say, you know what, when it comes around mealtime, I'm, I'm constantly hungry and thirsty. But what about the one who hasn't had food or water in a while. How great do you think their desire, their hunger and their thirst for quenching that hunger and thirst would be? It would be great, wouldn't it? And Jesus says, if you want to be blessed, then you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness like that. And that's when you will be filled. You see, we hear all the time the idea that that created within man is this, this void. And there's only one way to fill that void and it's with God. But yet we see every day and sometimes even among ourselves and sometimes even in our own lives when we seek to fill that void with all kinds of other things and we hunger and thirst for all kinds of other things instead of for God. And when I looked through this lesson and I went and studied through this lesson and I came across Psalm 42 in Psalm 63, the thought came to my mind, that's the way I want to hunger and thirst for God. You see, the challenge is, for me, is because I don't always do that. But Jesus reminds us, if we want to be filled, then that's what we must do. Because we'll never be filled, fully filled, by the things of the world. That is why we must hunger and thirst for things of God. Just today, I read a tweet from John Maxwell. 
He says this, My prayer at 60 was, Lord, as I grow older, I would like to be known as available rather than a hard worker. Compassionate more than competent. Content, not driven. Generous instead of rich. And sacrificial instead of successful. I want to be a foot washer. And I think about that and I think about how sometimes the things of life will humble us and cause us to be hungry and thirsty for the important things of life. God. And the characteristics of God. I think about some things that will fulfill that hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think about, I think about our own Bible study. Many of us are on version, and we read devotionals, and that's great. And we can highlight and we can like one another's highlights and things like that, and that's great. And I want to challenge you to keep doing that. But I want to also challenge us to continue to go further and, and, and read and study God's Word. Remember what Paul told Timothy? Study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word. Another thing that I think can help us feel that hunger and thirst for righteousness is prayer. Paul said to Timothy again, pray without ceasing. What is he saying? Prayer should be an important part of our life. It should be a regular part. Just like we looked at this morning with Jesus. He gave us the example. It was an important part of his life. And that Bible study and that prayer, that can help us in our hunger and our thirst for righteousness every day. Someone has asked the question, what is righteousness? <clears throat> and someone else has said, it means to be right. To be right with God, to be right with self, and to be right with others. One source said in the original language, it means integrity, virtue, purity of life, uprightness, correctness of thinking and feeling and acting. Another source says it has to do with whatever has been appointed by God to be acknowledged and obeyed by man. That's what's right. I think about passages that uh, show us this righteousness of it being integrity, virtue, and purity of life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. Paul says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, he says, Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. Pursue those things that are pure and that are virtuous. Faith, love, peace with those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. And then also a couple of passages where Jesus talks about those things that have been appointed by God that need to be acknowledged and obeyed, my man. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 15. But Jesus answered him and said, Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. All the things that God has said, this is what you ought to do. This is the right thing to do. And acknowledge that and obey that. And then we looked at this morning, John chapter 16 and verse 8, where Jesus said, When He, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, has come, He will convict, convince the world of sin and of righteousness. Those things that God has sent down, have been taught about, 
We have to acknowledge that and obey, and that's righteousness. Someone has said, this is what Jesus was trying to convey here. He is commanding us to hunger and thirst for the whole of righteousness and not just one part. Our desire must be for everything that is involved in true righteousness. Our hunger must be for the more, more than a slice or two off the loaf of righteousness. Out of thirst for more than just a sip from the picture. When I think about what that person said, I think about, I think about Peter. You remember Peter when, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet? And he comes to Peter and says, Lord, are you really going to wash my feet? Are you really going to do what those servants do and wash my feet? And Jesus says, listen, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. And Peter goes, well, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands, my hands, everything. Peter said, that's what I want. I want it all. So what are some evidences of righteousness? Well, we mentioned already Bible study and prayer. These are some ways to help us to, to, to quench that hunger and thirst for righteousness. But what about some evidences of righteousness? I think one of the major ones is our death to sin in our life. You see, sin stands in direct opposition of righteousness. Paul, write in, Paul wrote in Ephesians, or Romans chapter 6, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Paul again given that language. Connecting that to Galatians chapter 5. You see, when you die to sin, you become a child of God. That's an evidence of righteousness. That, that's, a, uh, that's an evidence of choosing to walk in the Spirit. Our surrender and our obedience to Jesus coming in contact with the blood of Christ through our baptism is evidence of righteousness in our lives. And then another one Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. So another evidence of righteousness in our life is when we imitate Christ. John would say in 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, But whoever keeps his word... Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in Him. If we keep His word, He who says He abides in Him ought Himself also to walk just as He walked. Living the Christian life is one of the greatest things on the face of this earth. But the Bible also talks about there's some cost to being a disciple. And the Christian life is not an easy life. But it's a blessed life. 
Because when we daily hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus says, you will be filled. When we seek to conform our lives to Jesus and challenge and encourage others to imitate us as we also imitate Christ, then we are blessed and we are filled because we're living righteously. Paul also told the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and following, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What was that, Paul? Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That connects back to John chapter 14, John, or John chapter 15 and Jesus and 13 and 14 and 15 through there when Jesus washes disciples' feet and he shows them how to be a servant and he teaches them about, about praying. He's our example. He's our example of living a righteous life. Someone has said the heart of Jesus was set on heavenly things and intent on doing the will of the Father. What an example. What an example for us to follow. Someone has said, when you control hunger, you control life. Find out what a man's deep appetites are, provide that satisfaction, and you control his life. Dictators and propagandists have followed this principle for centuries. If the appetite is not there, create one, they believe. The advertising agencies sell their services for this very purpose. What kind of commercials do you think are about to start coming on TV? After the election, right? Or after Tuesday. It's going to be Christmas. You see, the advertisers, they understand this. They understand controlling the appetite. But you and I, as children of God, as seekers to follow the example of Christ, we too to seek to control the appetite. And that hunger and that thirst that we should have should be for righteousness and should be for God and should be for the Word of God and to walk in the Spirit. Someone else said the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 were not persecuted, listen to him, were not persecuted because of their religion. The heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 were not persecuted because of their religion, but because they believed, because what they believed so affected the way they behaved that they became a threat to the religious conformists around them. Wow. Folks, that's a challenge for us in 2018 in Savannah, Tennessee, to make a difference in this world, that we so hunger and thirst for righteousness that we seek that and that we feed on that and we are filled. And we so believe in the things that we're feasting on and thirsting on, quenching our hunger and quenching our thirst, and we believe that so much that we're affected and therefore it affects the people around us, our community, our state and possibly our world. But see, here's the thing we need to be ready for. 
it may be a threat to some people. And they may not like it. And who knows? The early Christians paid dearly for it. That's sad, isn't it? I can almost guarantee they're not sad. I can almost guarantee they are blessed and they are filled because they realized this world cannot fill. But seeking for righteousness and the kingdom of God and His will it will fill us. Think about Israel after the Exodus. They were constantly looking back at Egypt. We want to go back. Moses, why did you bring us out here in this wilderness to die? We, we were better off back in Egypt. You see, they forgot about the slavery. They forgot about the beatings. And they were constantly looking back and wanting to go back. And they couldn't, couldn't see the promised land. They only remembered some of the good things. At least we had food. What was God doing? He was providing for them. He gave them food. Maybe they ate a little better in their minds back in Egypt. But they would forgotten about the slavery. They were not being filled because they were not seeking the right things. Someone has said, What a wonderful thing it would be if we humans would long for righteousness with as much urgent desire as we show for trivial things in the life that we make important. Well, maybe this hits home to you like it does me. Sports. New cars, new houses, new wardrobe, new whatever. In that tweet by John Maxwell, he said, as I've gotten older, I realize there's some things that aren't so important. And there's some other things that are. And he said, my prayer is that I'm living the important things. What a difference our lives would be. And we would be filled and blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. What better describes a strong desire for righteousness than that of being hungry or thirsty? I think about a a story that I read many years ago. It's called A Greater Desire. And the story has several variations, but... The variation that I read is about a a young, eager student who went to the wise man in his community because he sought wisdom and insight. And he goes to that old soul and he, who had great knowledge and who seemed to have wisdom and insight, and he acquired of him. He said, I want to be a man like that. I want to have wisdom and I want to have insight. And so this wise old sage, he, being a man of few words, he decided to show this young student an example. And so he takes him out to the beach, to the ocean side. And with his clothes on, he just walks down into the ocean. And the student's thinking, oh, okay, what's going on? And he motions for him to come on in the water. And so this young student walks out into the water, his clothes on and all. And they get to the point where they're about, the water's about to their neck. And he puts his hands on the shoulders of the, uh, of the young student and he looks him in the eye. And then he pushes him underwater and he holds him underwater. 
and a fight breaks out. This student is fighting for his life. Just before he's about to take his last breath, the old sage lets him go. And he comes up fighting and trying to grab his breath and he's spitting out salt water. And he's wiping his eyes off and he's, he's ready to go after this older, wiser gentleman. In the meantime, he looks up on the shore and the older gentleman is already up on the shore. And so he makes his way through the water, probably stomping and dragging to get there. And he gets up on that beach and he shouts to the man, What? Or what are you thinking? You about killed me. He simply said to the young man, When you were under the water, not sure if you would live to see another day, what did you want more than anything in the world? The young boy thought for a minute. And he said, I wanted to breathe. The wise, insightful, older gentleman said, Ah, when you want wisdom and insight as badly as you wanted to breathe, it is then you will have it. What is it we hunger and thirst for more than anything else? Is it God and His Word? Because the Bible says that's the only way we will be filled. No other way. Nothing in this world can fill that. But God, His kingdom, His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, it's our prayer that you will give your life to Jesus, that you will surrender to Him, that you will come in contact with that blood of Christ and this death, burial, and resurrection through that watery grave of baptism so you can rise in newness of life, going on your way rejoicing because you've come in contact with righteousness, the righteousness of God. And your soul has been saved and you've been added to the church. Please do that tonight if you haven't. Maybe it is you're here tonight. And maybe this lesson has challenged you like it's challenged me to think about what it is I really hunger and thirst for. Because see, probably with most of us, there's that battle. There's that battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And maybe you're here tonight and maybe, maybe the flesh has been winning some. Maybe you've been feeding the flesh too much. Maybe it is you just need to correct that. But maybe it is you want to ask God for forgiveness and you want to ask the church to help you, to pray with you, to lock arms hand in hand, arm in arm, and to walk, walk the walk together and let, let, let you know you are not alone. Whatever your need is tonight, we pray that if you have a need, that you respond to the Lord's invitation as together we stand and sing.